Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris to Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. In 1988, the world was introduced to the song Don't Worry, Be Happy, thanks in part to the movie Cocktail. However, Bobby McFerrin's unique vocal jazz had been in the ether for six years prior, captivating the art crowd. This week, we're joined by rapper and trombonist Kadesh Flo to discuss if it's a mistake that Bobby McFerrin was a one-hit wonder, or if he was just too unique for pop radio. Be happy. Every life we have some trouble But when you worry you make it double Don't worry Be happy Don't worry, be happy One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a all right, Dash, you chose 
Don't Worry, Be Happy by Bobby McFerrin. So right off the bat, why did you choose this song? Do you have a special attachment to this song? I don't. Uh, I more think Bobby McFerrin is, is an absurdly impressive musician to be essentially a one-hit wonder. And I'm not sure why. I'm not like an expert on on him. I know enough about him to know how ridiculously good of a musician and vocalist he is and be shocked that Don't Worry, Be Happy is the only ridiculously prominent song that he had. Um, And I really, his musical legacy is really impressive just from that song and his kids. That is just like crazy that that's like the only huge thing that he did. That's all. That's basically it. (laughs) I always knew the dude was crazy. Uh, I knew he was one of those guys that could sing two things at once. (laughs) That's like one thing I knew about him is just what he could do with his vocals was just insane. It's kind kind of like in the vein of like what Rozelle does or the Inuit lady singers and stuff like that. He's I, I knew that he was on that level as far as the the craziness of his vocal range, but I never dug deeper into his catalog then don't worry, be happy until preparing for this episode. And I was surprised that what I found for what a happy, goofy song, Don't Worry, Be Happy is, he's pretty much an avant-garde vocal jazz musician. That's the only... That's the only way I can describe it. So I think the dude could have very easily had more hits, but I don't think the music that he chose to make even lent itself to pop music at all. He he definitely, I saw that he worked with Yo-Yo Ma and Chick Corea and just like all these crazy people that he collaborated with. But yeah, I don't, it doesn't even seem like he tried to have another pop hit after this. Yeah, well, like... With the exception of, uh, I think, Good Lovin', maybe, I feel like... Oh, yeah, I heard that, yeah. Somebody didn't push that song or didn't feel like pushing that song. For the, like, I, I totally totally agree with you. That doesn't seem like the direction that he was trying to go in at all. And I think he also is hurt by the fact that, like, hella people think Bob Marley's song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. That is and crazy like, that you said that because... Because my girlfriend said that today. She said, I said, we're doing Don't Worry, Be Happy. She goes, oh, the Bob Marley song. I'm like, what? Why on earth would you think that's Bob Marley? The only theory that I've found that makes sense is because the Don't Worry, Be Happy vibes so much with the lyrics of Three Little Birds, which is the don't worry about a thing because everything yeah. will be all right, that people just assume that they're like the same song, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't even sound remotely like a Bob Marley song, like in any way, shape, or form. At all. But the, I think that, like, from a name recognition standpoint, I think that hurt him tremendously. Because, like, people just right. assumed it was Bob Marley and not Bobby McFerrin, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's there's one other thing that I think didn't help with this song. But I actually think it's the most punk rock thing about Bob McFerrin at the same time is that this song came out in 1988. And also in 1988, George W. Bush used it as a campaign song without getting permission. So as a response, Bobby publicly protested the use of the song, stated multiple times that he will not be voting for Bush in the next election, and stopped performing the song live at the peak of its popularity. So (laughs) I think that the fact that the song, as it's the number one song in America, he's not even performing it live out of protest probably didn't help things either i did not know that that's hilarious wow it would be my absolute nightmare that a republican politician would use one of my songs (laughs) in there i mean i just 
it, it just seems like the surefire way to uh, try to destroy a career. But unless you could speak out against it, I couldn't believe all the stuff like the songs that these <laughs> that these assholes choose to to use. Why on earth would you think that the village people would be all right with? <laughs> you know, why why on earth would asshole Trump think the village people would think that's cool or or whatever other songs they they want to try to use? I think the only people that are cool with Republicans using their songs are like Trapped and uh, Three Doors Down. <laughs> Three, yeah, Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent's cool with it, but otherwise, yeah, that nobody, <laughs> nobody wants you guys using the songs. But yeah, the other thing, Matt, that I will say of maybe why people thought that was Bob Marley, even though it doesn't sound anything like Bob Marley, is the fact that Bobby McFerrin does use an affected, like, sort of Jamaican-style accent, even though he's not Jamaican, like, in this song. Yeah. That could be part of it. I was surprised to find out, like, oh, Bobby McFerrin, he's from, like, Brooklyn. <laughs> I would have assumed that maybe he was from Jamaica by the accent that he put in, but in the research for this, we saw that... He said, yeah, I just put on that accent and it was mostly inspired by eating at a Mexican restaurant next to where he was recording, <laughs> which is pretty funny because I, I don't I don't think it's a, a Mexican accent at all. But uh, yeah, the, the quote is, I hate to go as far as to say it's a Jamaican accent. It was heavily influenced by Juan's Mexican restaurant next to the studio. <laughs> so that's the story behind that. He had some credits before this song came out. Obviously, this isn't like the greatest credits in the world. But again, the song came out in 1988. Um, it was part of the cocktail soundtrack. That was what it was originally written for. Oh, wow. But before this, the year before that, he performed with the Cosby show every year. They would have a different person do the theme song. And he did the season four acapella version of the Cosby theme. So like he was already kind of in the in the stratosphere, but he wasn't like a publicly known person because he had been recording since 82. His second album, The Voice, is the first solo jazz record to be recorded with no accompaniments and no overdubbing. So that entire vo- album is just single takes of him doing vocal stuff. Yeah, and I think that's wow. the thing that like I have to catch myself when I think about somebody like Bobby McFerrin. You think of him as a one-hit wonder, but really he just has two pop pop songs. Yeah, he has he has <laughs> one that took off. I mean, I'm sure there's there's some there's one that I don't know about, but and from what I know about him, he has one that took off and one that didn't, and. All his other music is just him doing what he wanted to do phenomenally. Yeah. And it's not yeah. stuff that is pop music. And that and that's a lot. Yeah. I know a lot of people personally like that. You know, like I like I literally work with Marcus Lewis on a regular basis. Marcus was Janelle Monet's trombone player for her first two albums. And the only nice. reason I was able to work with Marcus is because she decided to trim her band down and do more of like a look versus having the funk band. And Marcus always wanted to do a hip hop outfit that was a full big band that was fronted by rap- rappers. And he happened to want to arrange my music for his big band once he stopped working with Janelle Monet. You know, Marcus, Marcus arranges and does, Marcus has phenomenal compositions as, in the, as a composer on his own. But anybody who looks him up as a trombonist is going to say that he played with Janelle Monet and Bruno Mars and Aretha Franklin and the Ohio players. And that's enough. But like, you know, and they, I don't like them. <laughs> that's pretty sick. You know, <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah. like, you know, there, I, I know a few people who have resumes like that. And most of the music they make is just stuff that they want to make. Even if you think about Frank Zappa, right. for example, all the Frank Zappa's yeah. people, 
they had these massive records and tours, but they were using all of that to fund experimental jazz stuff. And now, I don't know what he's doing now, but when I was in college, like as a junior in college, I booked Tatsuya Nakatani for an internship I had. And it was like an experimental jazz concert. And this dude was like Frank Zappa's drummer for a significant period of time. And he tour, he's touring, like playing with like broken cymbals and bricks and, and t- pieces of toilets and stuff. hey man i think it's awesome when people do what they want to do and push the boundaries with music you're talking about frank zappa earlier this week speaking of him got into the the subject of you know people use the word emo to describe music and i'm like it's it's kind of a weird term because all music in one way or another is emotional so somebody in response to that said well what about frank zappa and i'm like (laughs) Motherfucker, Frank Zappa. Yeah, his music is his music is wild and crazy and weird. Yeah, for sure. But to say it lacks emotion because it's those things. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that that's, that's such an insane response. Like you put out a you put out an album making fun of the Beatles called "We Did It for the Money," and you don't think that there's any emotion behind that. Right. Like, right. Hey, to bring it back around to Bobby McFerrin, did you guys happen to hear Bobby McFerrin's cover of Blackbird? No. Oh, actually, yes. Actually, yes. Yes. It is insane. Like, it's so insane that I don't even know if I like listening (laughs) to it, to be honest. It's like, it's beyond the realm of anything I could even think about doing with music because it is that thing where he's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of like he's doing the bass with his throat and at the same time singing over it. Once again, I saw Rozelle do that live before and which blew my mind, but yeah, it's just so strange. It's like the strangest Beatles cover you'll ever hear, but yeah, it's amazing. It's definitely amazing. But once again, like you said, Desh, it's him doing what he wants to do. He's going to cover a Beatles song. It's going to be on his own terms, which is pretty awesome. What this conversation is reminding me is that I don't even think about popular music in the terms of the world I actually live in. I know so many people who do dope stuff on a regular basis and they have like one or two claims to quote unquote fame that are really legit, but that's not who they are or what they do. I still think of music in those terms, which is actually very fascinating in and of itself. It makes you want to examine why I think that way. Once you hear the same things over and over and over, that's when you want to hear, you want to hear new things. It's why I, (laughs) you know, I've brought this up before, like Bjork is my all-time favorite artist and every album she's reinventing herself. Every album, it's something just out there that I haven't heard before. Those are the people that are most intriguing to me but at the same time i can appreciate a well-crafted pop song and you know bobby mcfarren (laughs) in fairness this this song it's very polarizing man from what i've seen online let's let's go to the positive side of this first the the positive side of it it won song of the year record of the year (laughs) and also um best male pop vocal performance of 1989 at the grammys so it was a very celebrated song, not to mention the fact that it knocked Guns N' Roses' Sweet Child of Mine off number one on the charts, which is, 
that's an accomplishment in itself. The first acapella song to reach number one on the Billboard charts. I mean, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. You know, so singing the praises of this song a little bit more on an even more crazy, and I don't agree with this at all, but do you know what Don't Worry Be Happy beat at the Grammys to win Song of the Year? No. Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Which, which, yeah, that is, that is, if I was Tracy Chapman, I think I might have stormed the stage and said, what? I mean, I kind of feel like that completely delegitimizes the Grammys. I kind of feel that way anyway. There are I kind a lot of, feel of like things that fit that bill, but keep going. <laughs> I was yeah. say, we're recording at a time where Nas just got his first Grammy after like how many years of like yeah. incredible output. Did he? Did yeah. he win a Grammy? Yeah. yeah. That nice. album was like the fourth best album out of the Mabinese, honestly. Like Nas winning for King's Disease when Alfredo was on the lineup and I forget Royce Five Nine's album, The Allegory maybe. Royce, but like, dude, Royce to Five Nine's record releases in the last like five years have been like out of this fucking world. On a different planet. Like <laughs> on a whole different planet. But like and I'm happy for Nas, but Nas winning rap album for King's Disease is kind of like uh, Al Pacino winning for Scent of a Woman over Denzel's Malcolm went after he didn't get anything for any of the Godfathers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, that's basically what it feels like. It's like, nobody's mad because Pacino should have been got an Oscar, you know, when he got one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but retroactively, like, Nas should get a Grammy for the intro track to Stillmatic alone. When that song comes on, I am just fired up. Like I'm ready to I'm ready to step in the ring when that song comes on. In 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 researching this Grammy stuff too. So also another song that don't worry, be happy. Beat was Anita Baker giving you the best that I got, the, okay. which is also a jam, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so that was I do not know any of this because that was the year I was born. But like, ah, but like, yo, what? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Those are some hot jams that that don't worry, be happy. Beat and. And then I, I, so I was looking a little further. I'm like, this is bullshit kind of. So, I mean, no disrespect to Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin would probably be like, what? I beat Fast Car? That ain't right. But I looked at like what else won Song of the Year like in years around there. The next two years after Don't Worry, Be Happy won, Bette Midler won two years in a row for <laughs> Wind Beneath My Wings and From a Distance. As far as Song of the Year being pretty sus, 1993 Tears in Heaven won, which if we want to get into Tears in Heaven. I don't even want to. Uh, <laughs> like, that is a song that I will never talk about publicly because like, <laughs> bro. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's funny. Like on that new Phoebe, on that new Phoebe Bridgers album, she has a lyric that's like, we hate Tears in Heaven but it's sad his baby died. Like, it's like, yeah, it's a really sad song, but I, I really don't like it either. I, I always think about this in the movie Cecil B. Demented, and there's a scene where they storm into a screening of Patch Adams, and the whole time they just keep <laughs> screaming, just because it makes you cry doesn't mean it's good. Bars. That's harsh. <laughs> Man, that's I mean, so that's kind of like the tears in heaven love. This isn't the same thing, but it makes you think about when The Weeknd got a Kids Choice Award for I Can't Feel My Face. And then <laughs> his, next, yeah, that isn't right. <laughs> his next album, he has a line where he's like, I want a Kids Choice Award for a song about a face full of blow. And then yeah. the next line, he's like, and I quote, God damn, bitch, I am not a teen choice. <laughs> so he roasts how absurd it was 
<laughs> that that happened. That's what that song feels like, but it's more somber. So I imagine that, like, yeah. you know, it meant more and, and it might have been taken seriously enough for anyway. I, I don't like well, talking about that song publicly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all I can tell you about it is that I was in like whatever, probably sixth grade when that came out, and that we had middle school dances, and they would play "Tears in Heaven" to slow dance to. And even then, bro. even then, I remember thinking like, oh, why? Why are people slow dancing to this? <laughs> and it's a super sad song, but middle school kids were then slow dancing. To Yo, it. somebody like, had sex to that song in 1993. Oh, oh <laughs> lots of people do. Lots of there, hey, there's lots of babies that were conceived. In <laughs> lots of tears. In, there's a lot of tears in heaven, babies. Out there. <laughs> oh my god! All right, terrible. we need to change. The this is why yeah, I don't like terrible. talking about this song. <laughs> okay, yeah, we gotta change the subject. Okay, back to Bobby McFerrin a little bit here. I, I want to mention this because Matt brought up Patch Adams. The freaking music video for this song. I was watching it today. And I'm like, holy shit! Robin Williams is in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Robin Williams is in the music video, which, you know, there was a rumor in 1992 that Bobby McFerrin killed himself. And then they said that the reason those rumors started were because people wanted to like say like, Oh look, the guy who's saying, don't worry, be happy ended up killing himself. And then when I watched the video and I'm like, Holy shit, like Robin Williams, who it's not just the don't worry, be happy video. It's like the guy's entire career is just making people happy. Like that was like, his whole thing, even his, his character in Patch Adams, everything is that. And then, you know, we all know how he died. So that rumor that was being thrown around about Bobby McFerrin, actually, like, there was truth to that when it came to Robin Williams, who was in this music video. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. I'm a busy guy and getting to eat restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout, Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50, the words one hit and the number 50 that is, at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Like when I saw Robin Williams in this, I was like, it was like, it like took my breath away for a second because I didn't, I didn't remember that about this. It's, not, it's just them 
dancing, being goofy, whatever. Yeah, but as far as what I was going to say is the hate for this song after the fact oh, is yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. The Village Voice named it the worst song of all time, which I take real exception with that. <laughs> I mean, Ooh. have these people heard Butterflies? I was going to say, is this is even the worst song we've talked about on this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, uh, Lil Yachty's Cold Like Minnesota. If we want to talk about popular <laughs> oh. songs that actually like charted and just categorize it from there, Lil Yachty's hits. Do you know what? The, the Lil Yachty songs, they're so outlandish that I like get it. I think things when things go like that over the top, like I'm like, okay, I get this. I actually like this because it's so absurd. Yeah. I would be more likely as Matt and the listeners of this podcast well know, I would be more likely to say like SR seventy one right now is the worst <laughs> song ever. Like more like the very vanilla middle of the road, not even trying, just doing whatever's popular at that moment. Those are the songs I think are the worst songs of all time. Uh, Dash, in the worlds of music that that you play and listen to, are there any artists, I know you, I'm like really having you, <laughs> trying to get you to call people out or whatever, which you don't have to do, but artists that you just think are like, you're really phoning it in. You know, like I, like I play, you know, punk rock music and there's a lot of bands I think were great at some point and then I just feel like, just fucking phoning it in like you're just <laughs> not not trying like we were talking about earlier we like artists who push the boundaries bobby mcferrin's one of those you know he's doing his own thing he's not so much worried about what's popular he's doing inventive things and yeah jazz music a lot of time like that's that's kind of the world i put bobby mcferrin in in his own way so I don't know. I'm sure i'm sure you know some artists that do that in hip hop and you know anything you know i would say and I like a decent amount of what I'm about to say that falls into this category, but mm-hmm. pretty much all of Justin Timberlake's solo work, I think, falls into yeah. the category of what you just said. It's like, it's good because it's like he knows he's good and his songwriters are solid most of the time, but mm-hmm. he just has really good musicians around him all the time. And right. he just kind of sits there and exists as like a blue-eyed, attractive white guy with a decent voice. I don't blame him because it's like I, I do that as a band leader myself. I'm like, I have dope enough songs conceptually and I have dope enough as a musician that I I have like the most awesome musicians in in Kansas City, which is known for having really ridiculously good musicians in general. The most, like the cream of the crop of those people want to play with me because I have cool stuff. I'm not the best anything. It's a real luxury <laughs> it's, it's, to be surrounded by like great people. But dude, that's not, the, I don't mean to cut you off there, but that's like the combination of you as an inventive person, as an, a unique musician. There, There's these differences. There are people that write and, and are unique and original, but maybe... I think you're a good player too, man. But like, but you know, but there are those like out of this world, extraordinary players, you know, that don't necessarily, but they aren't that level of writer. I know a lot of people like that, you know, they're, they're world-class musicians, but as far as a writer they're they need to be paired with somebody like what you're saying about yourself. And and I'd rather be the you in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, I think that distinction is really important and recognize like there is a team building brilliance, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then there is having a team building brilliance and then 
doing the bare minimum because you know that you can already you've already been so successful that you know that you can do the bare minimum and still mm-hmm. be absurdly successful and that's Justin Timberlake. I agree. I I agree with that, man. And like it's not just Justin Timberlake. There's a lot of people out there that reach that level and they're just they're basically a brand. And you could slap that brand on some talented people on some other talented people's work like that. Justin Timberlake, uh, the song with Jay Z, the um, suit and tie. Yeah, suit and tie. Suit and tie. Yeah. That song's awesome. Whoever, I don't know what Justin Timberlake's involvement was in the uh, (laughs) arrangement and the whatever, but like the song is awesome. Like it's just, it's got to be a collaboration of every great producer you can imagine and and player, you know? Yo, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was off of that 2020 album that he had to do to get, to finish his, his deal. If I'm not Uh mistaken, JT fans were super happy he had to do that because they got more content from him. But he featured on, I want to say, the Magna Carta Holy Grail title track on Jay-Z's Magna Carta Holy Grail album, which was Uh basically a marketing project with Samsung as an album, if if I remember correctly. But like JT's effort on that Jay-Z feature on that one song obliterated that entire double album because he actually tried like i'm so glad you brought that up because that is like the best example of jt just existing and being (laughs) successful it's like that album (laughs) versus him actually featuring with jay-z and doing what we know he's capable of doing. Hey, uh, all right. So look, bringing it, I, I feel like I, I got to keep reeling us back into Bobby <laughs> McFerrin. Uh, hey, as far as this song, okay, one more thing I want to say. And I said this about that episode we did about the refreshments where they had a lyric that's always in my head. This thing, I swear I'll be cutting the grass. I mean, I'm not talking about in planning, knowing we had this episode coming up. I'm talking about for the past since the song came out, I could be cutting the grass. I could be working out. And the the hook in this song, the that thing, that that melody has been on a loop in my head since this song came out. Like, <laughs> I, I cannot escape that melody. That melody is so good. But aside from that, it's kind of like a almost spoken word song (laughs) and is this a good message in this song don't worry be happy is that a good message because one thing i noted and i don't know if you guys know the exact reference because i i guess i never noticed this in the lyrics but it says public enemy mentions this song negatively in fight the power i don't know the line what's the line i think he says slap me right there or something like that yeah, it's Don't Worry, Be Happy was a number one jam. Damn, if I say it, you can slap me right here. But I mean, that whole song is basically just about like, fuck being happy, be angry, like, like fucking yeah, do something. I mean, that, that was going to be my point, like where I would see it from like public enemies perspective. Or if you're talking about, I don't know, the, the most recent thing I can think of is like, you know, issues of social justice over like the past year and stuff like Don't Worry, Be Happy is a terrible message. It's like, it's more like get angry, make a difference, get, go out like, so I don't know. It's it. I guess it just depends on your life situation. If you're stressed about like, my grass is getting high. Yeah, don't worry, be happy. But if, if the issue is something of serious importance, human rights, things like that, like, no, Don't Worry, Be Happy is not a positive theme for that you know so so. i think it's and bear with me here on this i think that message is on brand for going into the 90s 
where like mm-hmm. everything that we have a problem with right now from a social justice standpoint and from an economic like class warfare so to speak standpoint was really coming into play heavily around the time that this song was made but the idea for that was like the publicly acceptable thing was to one be colorblind to be happy that you're in America because America was quote unquote the greatest country on the planet and and there wasn't as much public access to access to inf- information. So this like if you think about this song happened not very long after Iran Contra and mm-hmm. like people are shocked that that Trump's probably going to get off for everything that he did that was illegal and people who look who know anything about presidential history to like a like a decent amount of detail are aware of the fact that reagan is one of the most revered presidents in american history like people worship ronald reagan essentially especially like in conservatives reagan got away with the wrong contra and like i like just the just those two things are enough but going into the 90s when this song came out this is like when the war on drugs was at, at its peak and it's when everything was being reverted to the top earners in society and the middle class was basically being destructured from a policy standpoint. Like we're dealing with all the con- we like we are in an era era now where it's so obvious that we have to be angry about the stuff that was mm-hmm. happening then, but at that point in time it was like, hey, it looked like, hey, we're out of war. The civil rights movement, we figured it out, you know, people have rights, AIDS doesn't matter, like, I'm happy that gay people exist, even though there are, like, hella gay people dying from AIDS, and the government doesn't care. This was also happening at the same time. So there's, like, the overwhelming concept in U.S. society was, like, hey, if I could be positive and try to be the best person I could be, then everything will just be okay, even though all this terrible stuff is actually happening. So the song is really on brand and makes sense relative to the time that it came out. There, yeah. I mean, there are times in American history, and you could almost map them out pretty easily, where the culture gets lulled into a sense of complacency. And I think, you know, so you start at Vietnam, you know, Vietnam, people were vehemently anti-war and you had, you know, I just watched uh, the trial of Chicago seven. I got, Uh, I'm going to watch Judas. I'm going to watch Judas and the black Messiah today, but I love watching. I'm really interested in that, that period of history is like Vietnam. I love the Ken birds, Vietnam documentary. I feel like every American citizen should have to watch that to understand that because it, it relates to what you're saying is like, I watched the whole documentary as I saw Trump get elected because I needed to like realize that we as a country were also at some point we were in this place. We're at this sense of peril that I felt when he got elected, like, Oh shit, this is really bad. But like you said, things have been bad the whole time. (laughs) There have been bad things going on the whole time. It's just, it wasn't so like, it wasn't so blatant and in our faces. So yeah, you talk about when don't worry, don't worry, be happy comes out. There was horrible shit going on, but we were maybe lulled to a sense of complacency at that time. Maybe that was the perfect time. And no offense to Bobby McFerrin. He was just trying to write a nice nice song. I want to pitch something though. And I have no evidence for this, but I'm looking at the lyrics. Do you think that it's satirical at points? At the same time, like I'm looking at the second verse and it says, you've got no place to lay your head. Someone came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. 
The landlord says that your rent is late and he's going to have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. Look at me. I'm happy. Like that sounds like some, some, some satirical ass shit right that there. That sounds to hella me. satirical. I've never <laughs> like, thought about that before. You said that just now at all. So like, I'm going to say, I don't have an opinion cause I never, I never thought about it that way, <laughs> but that sounds hella satirical. <laughs> like, have we been all misinterpreting this this entire time? And it's actually I mean, a song about how stupid the concept of just like ignoring your problems is. You know, and and from what I've seen of Bobby McFerrin, like, you know, we all know he's this crazy musician. But Matt, we watched a video of Bobby McFerrin talking about the pentatonic scale and how that relates to people of all. Everyone understands it you know, regardless of what language you speak or whatever. And it was really like pretty deep and awesome to see that. If anyone hasn't watched that, just the second you YouTube Bobby McFerrin, it's like the second thing that comes up. It's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think Bobby McFerrin is forward thinking enough to have this be satire that that's interesting. I would love to dig into that and see because it makes sense. Like, yeah, somebody comes and takes your bed. That could be referring to a lot of things there you know like that's not a situation don't worry be happy if you're evicted from your home (laughs) this could go as deep as talking about gentrification or you know there's a lot of things that could that could come into play here Matt. i think you have a good point here and he strikes me as the kind of guy who would never outwardly say it like he doesn't seem like the guy that would be like no you're not getting it it's satire like he's that type of artist which is like look if you figure it out you figure it out but like whatever like i'm looking again i look at these accolades dude is fucking smart as shit and he is way smarter than to just write a like close your eyes and blindly go with the flow type song in the middle of everything that was happening in 1988 that's a good point and i so i just you know quickly googled don't worry be happy satire and it is not a common conversation apparently so uh so you breaking uh, new ground here on one hit thunder (laughs) (laughs) breaking some territory that we just haven't thought about because it's like that song is an institution i'm gonna shift gears a little bit in case i forget to get to it but i I feel like you like asked me on a different podcast conversation about one hit wonders that like were really iconic to me and i mentioned this one but the reason that i thought about it is because like not long before that conversation i was revisiting the thing that bobby mcferrin did with layla hathaway on singing chords at, with like your just one person singing chords which is and crazy i saw that video when it happened and like they first uploaded it or whatever to youtube and i was like the guy that did this song this like really simple situation can do this what and then i looked into like his his work and i was like yo this dude's like crazy legit <laughs> like yo yeah. that's crazy <laughs> So that, and I I just revisited that. But the other thing that reminds me of Bobby McFerrin consistently uh, is actually his kids, uh, because Taylor and Maddie are both very brilliant indie artists who have made names for themselves doing what they want to do musically. That tracks me back to Bobby. And Taylor is more popular, I think, in mainstream circles, quote unquote, now. But Maddie is phenomenal. And I I didn't know about her, but I saw... Uh, Anna Wise was touring and they came through Kansas City and Maddie was touring with Anna Wise. And Anna Wise, if you're not familiar, is I forget the duo she was in, but then she, Kendrick Lamar picked her up. So she wrote and sung oh. on like Good Kid, Mad City and the Pippa Butterfly oh. and Damn Album. I don't know if you, when when Kendrick was doing like 
those live band performances on like Fallon and stuff, she was like the one white girl. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> and she's ridiculously good. We have mutuals. And so like I, I spent a little bit of time with her. And so then I became a fan, like actually like a fan fan because I was like, oh, she's dope. But then like I hung out with her and she's like a dope person and she's ridiculously nice. brilliant. So when she came through Kansas City touring on her own, and not with like somebody else. Maddie McFerrin was touring with was opening for her, and like I completely fell in love with what she does, what Maddie does musically, and that also made me track back to "Don't Worry, Be Happy" because I was like Maddie McFerrin, nice. Maddie McFerrin, Maddie McFerrin. Why does that sound familiar? And I was like, Oh, Ryan, you idiot! It's because she's Bobby McFerrin's daughter. Duh. I had no idea, man. <laughs> I'm, I got some music to check out today. That's awesome. So where do we think we land on this? I think we're All at right. that point. <laughs> okay. So we got we got to decide if Bobby McFerrin brought the one-hit thunder or if this was a, a one-hit blunder. I will say the one more thing I was going to say is there's a, there's a real art to when you're this crazy of a – I mean, vocalist for him, but I'm sure it goes beyond vocals for Bobby McFerrin. I didn't look into, like, what else he plays. I'm sure the dude – I'm sure the dude could play piano. I'm sure the dude, you know, it just seems like people that are this musical probably play a lot of instruments too. That being said, when you're this sort of musician, sometimes it's hard to write a straightforward, basic pop song. Like that's a skill in itself. And Bobby McFerrin obviously wrote the song of the year. And we we all know that he, he's crazy beyond the, this silly little pop song or whatever you want to call it. I vote Thunder all the way on Bobby McFerrin. Yeah, I'd vote Thunder. Absolutely. Just because as much as we can roast the meaning of the song or question whether or not it's satire, it's still like a very relatable song that from a mental health standpoint, it's kind of like saying control what you can control. And that's really important for anybody at any given time. It's like, don't worry, be happy sounds really naive, but if you actually look at it and look at what that message could actually mean, it's like, what's the point of worrying about anything? Because if you're worrying about it, you probably can't control the situation. And that exactly. like mantra is is powerful in and of itself. And it's it's low key, like it's like an unusual bop, like it's an earworm for no reason. You know, so I definitely yeah. put it on in the thunder category. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll all three of us on that case. Just some quick credentials uh, that I found when I was doing a little bit of research. But in 1994, he was appointed the creative chair of the St. Paul's Chamber Orchestra and conducted multiple orchestras, including the Philadelphia Orchestra, the L.A. Philharmonic, the London Philharmonic, many others. He was awarded an honorary doctorate in music by Berkeley College and in 2018 was given the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Acapella Music Awards. Dude's got cred for days regardless. And, you know, like the fact that he did this boppy little acapella song and knocked Guns N' Roses out of the top spot is like... <laughs> that's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that, that is cool. And you know what? One more cool thing I want to say is that this guy, maybe Don't Worry, Be Happy, provided him the financial security to then keep pursuing you know, all, all of the, the things that push the boundaries as far as music goes. If that was the case, if that provided him with that, which I, I always talk about that. Any of us who play music, we would welcome that hit if it meant it could give us financial security to, I don't know, 
build a studio or record music for the next 20 years or whatever. I'm sure at this time people were buying music a lot. It wasn't all streaming at that time. He probably made a nice chunk of change on this song and good for him because the dude deserved it. And I mean, we talk about how obviously almost any artist we talk about, we will gladly open doors, have them on the show. But like probably top of the list of people that we've talked about where I would love to just talk to him. Like, I think that his thoughts about life and music would be fascinating to, like, just sit and have a conversation about. (laughs) Bobby, if you're out there, you got got all these guys fanboying about you. Come on. Dash, where can people go to check out your music before we sign off? At Kadesh Flow for everything. Search Kadesh Flow on your favorite streaming service to get my music. I've been very heavy on YouTube, uh, getting back in the weekly content raps and anime raps and all that. So uh, Kadesh Flow on YouTube, there's something new every Friday right now and uh, on Bandcamp as well. These are free Bandcamp drops. Uh, but otherwise, uh, search Kadesh Flow on Spotify, iTunes or Amazon or, or YouTube Music or whatever. Uh, and at Kadesh Flow on all social media, KadeshFlow.com. It's, uh, it's very consistent. If you use Google Kadesh Flow, you'll yeah. <laughs> get to some, get to some, some good stuff. <laughs> Hell yeah. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Lafayos of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Get Off My Train from the Punchline album Just Say Yes. Visit punchline.com for merch, music, and future tour dates. If you've ever had an interest in podcasting, also visit weknowpodcasting.com to see how Chris and I can help make your show sound as professional as possible. And let us know your thoughts on our show One Hit Thunder by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting apps. And tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? 
I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.